Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Triad Viewpoints. I'm Dennis Elliott. Our email address is triadviewpoints at iheartmedia.com. If you have a suggestion for a topic or a guest, or you want to make a comment on something you've heard on the program, just send us an email to triadviewpoints at iheartmedia.com. With us today is David Laxton. David is Director of Communications for the Autism Society of North Carolina, and we're going to be talking about autism and learn a lot of things that you probably didn't know. David, uh, thank you very much for being here today and talking with us about autism. Now, um, as Director of Communications for the Autism Society of North Carolina, tell us uh, basically what is your job? Well, my my department, we're responsible for making sure that uh, your listeners and other members uh, of the the public um, understand a little bit more about what autism is, uh, how they can connect with the Autism Society of North Carolina to get uh, information and then also some support resources for their loved one or themselves. And then for folks uh, with autism, we we want to make sure that they understand that our organization has, uh, you know, to use that phrase, a place under the tent for them, too. We provide a variety of services uh, across the lifespan, meaning from uh, the time of uh, diagnosis or whenever somebody suspects that a child might need to have an evaluation, um, again, literally throughout their lives. And because autism is a spectrum disorder, there's a lot of information that we try to pull together and to simplify so that whether somebody's searching for um, help on the Internet, whether they're looking at something that might be in print, or whether they bump into somebody who might have heard something about us, for example, like right now, that they know that the Autism Society of North Carolina is out there and ready and willing to help them in whatever way we can. All right. Well, let's talk very basically about autism in general. Um, For the benefit of people who um, are really unfamiliar with autism, can you explain what autism is, how it, and and how it's defined? Yeah. uh, And it's, it's, it's a really um, great question because oftentimes what we find whenever we're talking to people is that they have a variety of different impressions of what autism is. Uh, Autism now goes by the term, if somebody has a diagnosis, it's actually a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. And and that's not the way that it has always been. Um, I've been in this field for a few decades now, and whenever I started, you had autism. That was the word. That was the diagnosis. And then um, they added in Asperger's syndrome. And, and all along, they've always said those diagnoses came uh, within a spectrum, meaning that no two people are alike. They have different abilities, different challenges, um, just like you and I. Whenever you, somebody looks at us, they're going to say, well, they're different. Um, they're, they're both guys, but they're, they're different. So think about autism as a, or autism spectrum disorder as uh, an umbrella term uh, covering uh, disabilities that typically uh, relate to challenges uh, in the areas of social interaction, uh, communication, and some uh, repetitive or restricted types of behaviors. It's actually something that affects the brain, 
And, and because it affects the brain, that's how it, it impacts social interaction, like what you and I are doing now in our communication. And, and, you know, boiling it down just a little bit more, one of the ways that um, I like to explain it is it's kind of uh, like if you are thinking about processing information. What we do oftentimes, and probably what we're doing now and your listeners are doing, is they're listening to our tone of voice. They're listening to the questions that we ask, and they're thinking about the context of our conversation. And a person that has a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, they may not be able to utilize context or some of the clues that we have during a conversation or during an interaction or watching a situation that most of us do to be able to process that information and make sense of it. Sort of complicated, isn't it? It, it? it can be, but one of the most interesting things about it and, and one of the things that makes it challenging is that um, we now know that there are a lot of different treatments and, and options and supports out there that can help kind of uh, make sense of all these different things. Uh, you know, somebody who might have a problem processing the information might just need a different way of, of being able to, to simplify what they want to say back. So we found that you know, using a structured approach to, to organize the day is helpful. And, and I know I have um, a calendar that I refer to where I put appointments on there, and that keeps me on track. I also have a to-do list, and, you know, I try to make sure that it's prioritized um, within the context of what absolutely has to be done today, what, you know, would be nice to get done today, and what is kind of the stuff that I can forget about. So for a person with autism, whether they're young or old, sometimes having the information organized or having some type of strategy that helps them organize it can really make a big difference for them. And with respect to communication, what we, we try to do is make sure that we meet that person where they are. So if they do better with a picture system to help make sense of things, then we provide them with a picture system. If they uh, prefer a written type of system that structures things up, then written uh, might be better. Again, it's it's about trying to figure out within those folks that fall under that umbrella of autism spectrum disorder, where are they? What do they need that can can help them build on the strengths that they have? And and how can we make sure that um, it's easier to make a little bit of sense of this kind of often complicated world? Um, what, what is 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 autism? Um, it, does it favor one gender over another? Do you find more uh, males uh, diagnosed with autism than females or vice versa? Yes, uh, and actually that's a, that's a great point that you bring up. Typically um, what they have said and what we have seen from, from data is that uh, autism occurs much more often in boys than in girls uh, at, a, at a rate of about four or five times, five to one. Now, there are a variety of different theories as to why that might be, and actually some of the things that they've been researching lately is whether or not girls just happen to be a little bit better at disguising some of the signs and symptoms. So, you know, it's the, the statistics, though, up to this point in time have still borne out that, you know, for every one girl with autism, there are at least four to five boys. And within our state, um, interestingly enough, uh, we have a prevalence rate of one in 57, and that means that you know, out of kids that are in the range of uh, six to eight years old, uh, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, predicts that one out of every 57 of them will end up being diagnosed uh, with autism spectrum disorder. And our state actually um, has a really good record of being able to identify uh, kids early. Uh, we are currently 
probably the one of the quickest states to be able to identify them, and we do that as early as 37 months or just after three years. And what that means is that while we have a lot of kids that um, would possibly have a diagnosis, because we're diagnosing them earlier, we can start working on those areas uh, related to communication, processing the information, uh, improving uh, their ability to understand things. Do we understand what causes autism yet? Is there a general consensus as to whether it's uh, genetic or, or some other reason that some kids develop autism? I, I think that most of the research now, um, at least what, what we've seen lately, is, is pointing to a combination of factors with, with a strong genetic component. So it's not all genetic. Uh, and and um, one thing that, that I do want to go ahead and mention, because it is something that tends to show up in some Internet searches or other things like that, some people have said, well, it's got to be vaccines or chemicals or things, preservatives that are in vaccines. But most of the research that's been done, um, if not all of it lately, has definitively said vaccines don't cause that. Now, that doesn't mean that there might be some underlying other um situation in an individual where um, their their bodies just respond differently. But right now, what most folks are saying, most researchers are looking at, many of them here in North Carolina, are looking at the genetic components and trying to figure out ways that they can identify exactly where in the genetic sequence some of these things might be occurring so that they can determine whether or not there are um, some treatment methods that can focus on those areas and help folks with socialization uh, communication, and, and some of the behaviors that come along with the diagnosis. Uh, one thing that we hear when people are talking about autism sometimes is uh, the phrase, a, I believe it's high-functioning autism. Mm -hmm. uh, can you explain what that is how, and, and what that means? Yes, um, I, I can do my best. Uh, actually, high-functioning autism was one of the phrases that was used uh, whenever I mentioned earlier that used to be a diagnosis was just autism. And there was kind of classical autism and then high-functioning autism. And what that meant is your, your, your classic autism was one that may not have language skills, might have um, some more limiting behaviors. Uh, and then high-functioning autism was someone that, uh, for the most part, uh, presented to somebody that didn't know anything about autism as someone who um, might have been a little eccentric, a little quirky in their interest or what they like to talk about, and might have been somewhat socially awkward. Um, so now, or actually back in the mid-90s, the, the diagnosis of Asperger's syndrome came up, and there was um, some uh, debate about whether or not Asperger's syndrome and high-functioning autism were one and the same. So, you know, it, it's the high-functioning term is one that uh, is still used a lot uh, whenever folks describe where they fall on the spectrum, but it's not a diagnostic criteria. So the way that I tend to, to talk about it is if you think about someone or if you think about a, a spectrum, you know, with one end being someone that doesn't have the ability to talk or doesn't have um, language that they can use very well, and then somebody on the other end who who has a lot of language and has a really uh, big vocabulary, uh, both of them can still have the same diagnosis. Uh, the person that has the big vocabulary, where their autism comes in, they may not know how to use that vocabulary or read some of the, the social cues or the contextual clues and to know how to use it appropriately all the time. 
Um, and then you know, also from a high-functioning standpoint, usually they have um, uh, better academic skills and um, they, they may not need some of the, the specialized instruction that others do whenever they're in the school system. The, um, the Autism Society of North Carolina, um, of course, I guess, works with families who, um, who have family members um, who have been diagnosed uh, as being autistic. Um, wh- what do you offer families like that? Uh, a variety of things. One of the first things that we try to do for folks, and, and in the Greensboro area we have um, four folks that, that fill this role, uh, we want people to connect with an autism resource specialist. We have over 20 autism resource specialists throughout the state of North Carolina, and they are, uh, we like to refer to them as the folks that are at the front porch waiting to greet you. Uh, all of our autism resource specialists happen to be parents of an individual with autism, and uh, they have uh, kind of been down that road or that path and, and learned a lot, and then what we do is we provide them with additional information and training so that if you if you have a child where you're you're seeing some signs or symptoms that might indicate that uh, an assessment is needed, we can put you in touch with where to go to get answers to whether or not it's autism or something else. If you have a child with a diagnosis of autism, the autism resource specialists are there to provide um, guidance on, on the journey. Uh, we offer a, a, uh, an after-the-diagnosis workshop that, that helps parents kind of get their bearings. You know, what are the things that I need to think about now that my child has a diagnosis? What are the treatments that are out there? What are the therapies? Uh, what do I need to know about going into the school system? And, and our autism resource specialists are a lifelong partner because, you know, uh, you get that diagnosis, you need somebody to listen to you, you need somebody to be able to answer your questions there, there. Whenever your child is going through life, whether it's um, asking questions about school, asking about their rights, asking about additional services that might be available to help your family, they're there for you. So that's where we try to get everybody to, to start. And, and you really develop that relationship and get your questions answered. But we also offer other things like conferences, um, additional workshops. We do some community-based services. We have an office in Greensboro that provides adult services and after-school program as well. So really, there's, there's a, a, a pretty good menu of different support services that our organization offers, not only to the families, but to the individuals with autism as well. So it really just depends on where you are and what you're looking for, but there's a good chance that we can we can provide some support or help. And if we can't do it, we can connect you to the folks that do. How many uh, how many people are there in North Carolina um, that uh, the Autism Society of North Carolina does help out? Do you have well, any idea how we, many people you're con- how many people you're you know you're helping out? Yes. Uh, whenever we, we actually have to, to file some reports with the state of North Carolina because that's one of our sources of, of funding. We get some grants to provide uh, some of the information, referral, and support services that we offer throughout the state. And uh, we, on average, are directly touching the lives of between twenty five and 30,000 individuals each year, and that's in a variety of different ways. Now, we reach many, many thousands more than that, because we do have a website, and you know, a lot of people visit our website each month to get information, to be able to download safety materials, for example, to watch a free webinar. 
or just to learn more about autism. But um, from a standpoint of what we do in the community, if somebody comes to that after-school program that I mentioned before, or they happen to be in one of our adult programs, or if they go to our summer camp, or if we're doing a community-based service, or they attend a workshop, that's between twenty-five and 30,000 folks annually. Wow. Um, if people yeah. want to find out more about uh, the Autism Society of North Carolina, get in touch with you guys, get some help, how can they go about doing that? Uh, the easiest way is to visit our website, and it's at autismsociety-nc.org. Again, that's autismsociety, all one word, dash nc.org. And they can also call um, our, our main office. Uh, we're, we're statewide. Um, but we've got a system set up where if you call in, we can route you back to the person that's local or have somebody um, talk to you and, and answer your questions. And that number is 800-442-2762. David, thank you very much. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share some information with your listeners. Once again, we want to thank David Laxton the Director of Communications for the Autism Society of North Carolina, for being with us today and talking to us on Triad Viewpoints. Our email address is triadviewpoints at iheartmedia.com. If you have a suggestion for a topic or a guest, or you want to make a comment on something you've heard on the program, just send us an email to triadviewpoints at iheartmedia.com. I'm Dennis Elliott. Thanks again for joining us on Triad Viewpoints. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.